Hello adventurer and welcome to the Skyrim Book Club, the on-the-go solution for the busy adventure in Tamriel's coldest, far-reaching province. Let us collect the literature and lore of this great province for you and put it into a portable package so that you never have to stop fighting dragons, picking flowers, or stealing from shopkeepers when they aren't looking. With an ever-increasing archive, SkyrimBookClub.ca has got the story for you. Until next time, enjoy the book. The Wraith's Wedding Dowry by Voltha Grayamwort, translated by Apthorne. Story of how an orc reclaims her wedding gift from thieves. The poets are right. There's something life-changing about being in love, said Kepkanya Graminfang sometimes called the wraith. I haven't wanted to rob anyone or anything in weeks. Why, the other day, I saw the door wide open at a wealthy merchant's house, but my mind was fully occupied with what I should wear on my wedding day. You've been out of the right society for very long now, frowned her friend Cargol approvingly. You never told me what happened to your first husband. You know, the one the shaman gave you. Torn apart by ash ghouls, smiled Kepkanya dreamily. It was rather saddish. But I know nothing like that would happen to Woodwarg. No life of adventure for him. He's practically an Imperial. In fact, he is one. Did I tell you how we met? Hundreds of times, grumbled Cargol, reaching for his flagon. He was your jailer, and he refused you food until you promised to marry him. Have you ever heard of anything so madly romantic in all your life? sighed Kepkanya, and then grew serious. I was going to say that I hope my old friends would wish me well. But as old Basriel used to say, there's no point in hoping for what cannot be. We'll leave with the Imperial Knights for Balmora immediately after the wedding. But as long as we're in Dagonfell, the gang will find some way of disrupting my love life and bring me back to the light. I know it. As the days approached towards the Wraith's wedding day, there was certainly something sinister in the air that Kepkanya could smell when she was not transported by heady bliss. Dark figures seemed to shift in the shadows and disappear when approached. She recognized the clothing of some beggars near Woodwork's cottage as costumes, but the mendicants hurried away before she could recognize which of her old gang was stalking her. But these moments of apprehension were few. Kepkanya was truly happy, making arrangements for the ceremony to be performed at the very dungeon where Woodwork had imprisoned her. Her father was long since dead, another victim of the Ash Ghouls, but her fiancé's commander volunteered to act in his behalf. Of course, Kepkanya was to supply her own dowry, she spent every last mark of her savings of ill-gotten gain to buy her beloved a truly wonderful present. The wedding was set for the stroke of midnight, as is orc tradition. The handmaidens, wives of imperial officers, were busily sewing her into her gown of red velvet and fine gold filigree in the mid-morning. Dolceta, one of the handmaidens, remarked that she had heard that Kepkanya had bought Woodwork a truly beautiful gift for her dowry. Let me show it to you, Kepkanya giggled, dashing from the room half-dressed to her hidden alcove. The present had been stolen. The women were horrified, but the wraith found herself merely irritated, not surprised. This was truly the old gang's style. They knew that a wedding ceremony without a dowry was marked as unlucky. She asked her handmaidens to finish dressing her quickly while she pondered what the burglars would have done with her treasure. The whole region was honeycombed with secret lairs and abandoned sites the thieves used to store their loot. There were obvious places, of course, but after much reflection, she thought of where she would have put it under similar circumstances. Once the handmaids had finished, Kepkanya bade them to make certain that the ceremony went on as scheduled, and not to fret as she might be a little late. She wrapped herself in a shawl to protect her gown from dungeon dust, and set off for the Shrine of Malakath. 
The Wraith had never before attempted to rob her own friends, and though she was peeved at them for trying to ruin her happiness, she had no interest in hurting them physically. Her style was to avoid conflict, though she knew it would be inevitable. The lessons her mentor Cargol had given her had helped her avoid the lances and blades of guards and imperial knights over the years. Now she would see if they would allow her to survive a den of thieves and the unknown dangers of the shrine, without, most importantly, ruining her dress. The desolate place was so empty as she delved into it that she feared she might have made a miscalculation. It was not until she found the small room hidden down a long corridor that she knew she was at the right place, and that it was well suited for an ambush. She grabbed the chest with her treasure within and turned to face the assault. Two of her old gang, Yoram and Yori, the Redguard twin brother and sister, were outside the door as she came from the room. They knew the wraith better than to taunt her and immediately attacked. Yoram struck out with a left thrust of his blade while Yori sought to rush her. The wraith neatly sidestepped Yori while dropping her weight to her rear left leg, shifting her right shoulder to the left to slip past Yoram's strike. The twins crashed into one another and kept Kanya passed swiftly on. Almost immediately, she was set on by the Argonian Binyer, his mace whistling through the air at her head. They had never much liked one another. The wraith snapped into a duck, so the mace whacked with a tremendous clamor against the stone wall. Binyar was thrown off balance, giving her a few seconds lead, hurrying up the passage. Ahead, she could smell the fresh night air. The last of her dowry's defenders was Sorogth, an orc with whom she had shared a brief romance. It was he who kept Kanya new and masterminded the theft, in a way and in context, she thought, his devotion to her misery was rather sweet. At the moment, though, she was most concerned with avoiding his barbed axe that seemed ideal for breaking her dress's fine stitchwork and the flesh beneath. Bending her knees slightly, bobbing to avoid strikes to the head, weaving her head to confuse Sorogs of her next move, shuffling her feet arithmetically, the wraith made an impossible target. She ducked inside his thrusts, sidestepped his swings, and then sidestepped his thrusts and ducked his swings. As erratic as she tried to make her defensive moves, Sorogth kept pace with her, refusing to budge from his position at the dungeon outlet. Midnight was coming, and the wraith finally decided that she must end the confrontation. When Sorogth swung out next, she sidestepped to her left, swayed down, and ducked her head so the axe whistled over her right shoulder. In that instant, his right side was exposed, and she reluctantly smashed the chest hard into his torso. There was not enough time for Kepkanya to see if she had killed him or merely knocked him unconscious. In truth, she thought of nothing else but rushing to her wedding ceremony. At precisely midnight, Woodwarg and Kepkanya were united together. He was delighted with her dowry gift, a fine suit of armor that would make him the envy of other imperial jailers. Even more, he was enchanted by his wife's tale of retrieving it from the shrine of Malakath. Did it occur to you to put on the armor when you knew that it was an ambush? he asked. I didn't want to dent your present, she replied between kisses, and I certainly didn't want to wrinkle my gown.